Today, we're going to be talking about what if the Gophers won the West? What would it take? And we got to dive into Phil Steele's position rankings in the Big Ten because, look, it ain't right. Hey, you are no locked on happens, Golden Gophers. No matter what we're going to do here, we're just going to keep rowing. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota uh, Golden out, Gophers. Whatever turns out, we're just going to keep rowing. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're just going to keep rowing, keep rowing, and keep rowing. You're listening to Locked On Golden Gophers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name's Kane Robb, host of the podcast, former collegiate football video coordinator and recruiting assistant here to talk Golden Gophers with you. And it's almost that point where we're going to talk them every single day of the week. Now, right now, this week, we're Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Then starting next week, it is Monday through Friday, each and every day of the week. Gophers, Gophers, Gophers galore. Be sure to hit subscribe over on YouTube and follow wherever you get the podcast at locked on golden gophers now today we're talking about some fun things we're talking about what if the gophers win the big 10 west what would it take what would happen if we look into that crystal ball in the future what happened to help the gophers win the west then we're going to talk about phil Steele's big 10 positional rankings because they're off and i just gotta get it off my chest finally i need to send a message out there to not doubt ethan kelly mcmanus we're jumping in today so let's get right started with what if the Gophers win the Big Ten West. Now, a lot of folks would say it's impossible. A lot of folks will say, you know what? They haven't done it to this point, and now they don't have as many returners. They have a harder schedule. It won't happen. But you know what? I don't see it as impossible. And I love the outlook that the Gophers players are taking on it that we heard at the Gophers media days last week that it is more of an opportunistic schedule. It is a chance for them to show they are a growing program. They are a team that people should not slight, a team that people shouldn't underrate, and that they want the challenge. So I'm here for it, and you should be here for it too. But what will happen if the Gophers win the West and we look back, what would have happened to make it happen? Well, the first thing is that Ethan Kaliak-Manis absolutely played into his potential. Now, you've heard me, you've likely heard other Gophers media analysts, Ryan Burns, Daniel House, and others talk about the potential that Ethan Kaliak-Manis has put on display for the Gophers in the games, in the moments that he had last year, but also what we've been seeing in these camps, in these practices prior to him ever having to go on the field for Tanner Morgan. We talk about the different arm angles that he can throw from. We talk about being able to get on the run. And as I look back on some tape, I look back at plays from Iowa, plays from Wisconsin, where he's getting through multiple reads. He's getting through his progressions, and he makes a fairly significant choice. Even on a turnover play, I was looking at the Iowa interception. He gets through three reads. He puts the ball into the position that is least likely to have a turnover worthy play. And the ball is tipped by his receiver. Hits Lamecki Brockington in the hands, more on the fingertips while a defender is tackling him from behind and trying to punch the ball out. It deflects and an Iowa defender 
intercepts it. But if you look at the options, you look at the progression of that play, he made the right choice. The one choice that maybe would have given him some opportunity to get the first down within the actual style of the play, rather than trying to then play some backyard football and trying to scramble or get some players moving with him and trying to find an opening. He took the opportunity that was there. It was present, but it was a smaller window. Now the deflection turned it into an interception, but it shows me his head is in the right space and that with more experience, more time and more trust, that is the biggest thing here. With more trust and more experience, he can be a top-notch quarterback for the Gophers. And I think if the Gophers win the West this year, it's because he played into that potential. Now, it's not just that, but it's also Minnesota wins the games that they are supposed to win. Now, when we head into the season, I can almost guarantee you, depending on what the records are as they shift, it might change. But at this moment in time, if you had to place a line, a betting line on every game of this season, Minnesota would be favored against Nebraska, against Eastern Michigan, against Louisiana Lafayette, against uh, Illinois, they'd probably be favored because it's at home. Michigan State, they'll be favored. Purdue, they'll be favored. That's six games right there off the top of my head in which the Gophers will very likely be favored. And I didn't even mention Northwestern. That one's absolutely going to be favored towards the Gophers. That's seven games right there that will likely play to the favor of the Gophers when it comes to the betting lines. They will be expected to win those games. So if Minnesota wins those games that are expected, that's seven wins right there. That is seven wins. You're already in bowl game territory, and you're not even talking about the games that people are calling your scary games, the reason that this is tough, the reason why it's a scrap and everything like that. Those games I haven't even brought up yet. So if you take care of business and you take the games in which people are expecting you to get it done, you play your football, you play smash mouth, you play to the best of your players' abilities, you have a top 10 defense, top 15 defense once again, and you take care of the games you're supposed to, that's seven wins right there. That is more than half the battle of getting a Big Ten West title. Because in there, I said Northwestern, I said Purdue, I said Illinois. That's three right there. Nebraska, that's four. That's four games within the West that you would already have taken. Then it really comes down to your rivals. And if you can win one of your two rivalry games, you're most likely winning the West in that point, point blank period. If you win two of the five challenging games and one of them are your rivals, whether it be you beat Iowa for the first time or you keep that ax home here in Minnesota once again, one of the rivalry games and one other game in the five challenging. When I say the five challenging, I mean Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio State, and North Carolina. Those five games, if you can take two of them and one of them are your rivals, either Iowa or Wisconsin, and you add that to the games you were supposed to win right there, that's nine wins. I guarantee you, if that plays out, Minnesota has won the West. I guarantee it. The only way it couldn't happen is if somehow, some way, Iowa was the loss and Iowa goes absolutely crazy and loses one game this season, maybe. And I don't see that happening. Iowa will find a way to maybe not be as productive as what people want to give them on offense because they want to be stubborn with Brian Ferentz as their OC. So they'll be their own worst enemy there. But if you can handle the games and you take care of business like that, you'll have the Big Ten West. That is how it is a possibility. Two of those five difficult games win the games you're supposed to, and eighth in plays in this potential. Now, if you want to mess around and win both, 
rivalry games, you locked it up. You you clearly locked it up because you won the division. You won all your West games. But it is a possibility. Now, the things that will help that possibility is that the defense will find its staple. That will be a big thing into winning the West because whether it be sacks, whether it be turnovers, whether it be more scoring, it means that the Gophers figured it out in this 2023 season and likely early on in the season prior to game five where you're taking on a Michigan. That means probably you took down a North Carolina in the early season. If they can figure out what makes this defense special, that will go so far into helping the Gophers play to the high end of their potential on this schedule. So you know what? The defense has to find its staple. Now, two years ago in 2021, it was the pass rush. It was Esezia Tomewu. It was Boye Mafe. It was different players, Jack Gibbons at times, getting in there and creating pressure and finishing on the pressure. That is the biggest part here. They were getting the sacks. They were getting the hits. They were getting the stuffs in the backfield. That's what made the 2021 defense elite. It was finding ways to complete pressures, complete sacks and things like that. Plus they were having success in the passing defense. Now last year it was a little bit different. They played with speed, closing speed. They let the little dump passes and stuff like that get completed. So the completion rate against the Gophers was higher, but they were swarming to the ball. They were getting two-yard gains on plays that looked like 10-yard gains. They were flying all over the field on top of the secondary, creating more turnovers than they had seen in 2021. Those were the strengths. What will be the strengths this year for the Gophers? That will be figured out if the Gophers win the West. So those are kind of the things that you will start to see if the Gophers can actually do this thing. I hope that we will see that. I hope that it means the nine-plus win streak continues for Coach Fleck in his time here with the Gophers. But speaking of figuring it out, when it comes to football coverage, Phil Steele is a legend when it comes to college football. Having done magazines and breakdowns and whatnot of different teams and diving into the details on all teams in college football preview magazines of 29 volumes now. He votes on 20 collegiate football awards, including the Heisman, including All-Americans, and I have all the respect for him, no doubt. But we got to talk about this man's Big Ten position rankings because I've got a bone to pick. But before we do that, we got to talk about our friends over at FanDuel. That is right, folks. It is FanDuel.com and it is the MLB season. So if you want to take a swing at some MLB bets, then now is the time to get over there and potentially 10 times your money in bonus bets up to $200. So that means if you throw down $20, then you will get up to $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. And I've told you if I told you once, I've told you many times, if it's free, it's me. And this is a chance at free 10 times your money. So you put down $20 in bets, you get $200 in bonus bets. That sounds like the winning recipe, in my opinion. All of that on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And those are the three S's when it comes to an app. If it's easy, if it's safe and secure, you've got nothing to worry about. There's no better place to bet MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And it's time for the Twins to make a comeback here in Minnesota, right? They've been at the top of the division, but they've kind of been teetering on that 500. If you think they're going to make a claim for that division, now's the time to go place your bet. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. 
Now, Gophers fans, thank you so much for listening to Lockdown Golden Gophers, making us your first listen when it comes to Gophers Daily Sports. And you know what? It is almost that time to get back to the grind, the five days a week. So be sure to hit subscribe so you do not miss it. Dylan Laux and I are going to have that hockey show coming up here real soon. And you're not going to want to miss the breakdowns of all the position groups that we have. And we're going to do breakdowns on every single opponent on the Gophers football schedule coming up prior to fall camp getting kicked off. So you're going to want to hit subscribe and follow wherever you are. Leave a five-star review if you could. It definitely helps others find the show. And I love that we are growing the Gophers community here at Lockdown Golden Gophers. Now let's talk about Phil Steele and his rankings with the Big Ten positional rankings because you know what? I've got a little problem with it. Now, it came across my feed on Twitter at first glance. I was like, dang, Bill Steele really knows what he's talking about with these rankings. But then I got to the defensive section. Now, upon first glance, there are some gripes on the offensive side of things, too. But honestly, if there were two things, if there were things that were maybe I would only move it a slot or two difference, then you know what? It's relative because people have different opinions, different strokes for different folks, as I always say. But when it comes to some of the offensive things, there were a couple that stood out to me. I'm going to throw the list on the screen right here for you so you can see it over on YouTube. But if you're taking a look and you look at the quarterback ranks, he's got Maryland ranked top in the Big Ten with quarterbacks, then Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Iowa, Nebraska, Penn State. Now, Minnesota doesn't even make the list because it's not in his top 70 or so uh, schools in the nation when it comes to quarterback. A little bit of disrespect there, but you know what? There is a lot unproven with Ethan Kaligmanis, so I'm not going to dive dig in on him for that one. But when I look at the quarterbacks, I'm talking Nebraska's quarterbacks are being over Penn State. That seems a little bit absurd. I would probably have Drew Aller above Nebraska, above Iowa, even though Cade McNamara has shown some things in the past. He didn't play at all last year. Drew Aller has shown little flashes, but he also has the high upside, and I think that it would make a lot more sense to have him more so above those two schools. So that was the first one kind of had me shocked. Running backs, I tend to agree with him, actually, outside of Purdue being left off. I think just because Devin Mockaby isn't your high star-rated guy, he more than proved that he is a dominant running back last year in the Big Ten. And then receivers, I'm fine with this personally. I would have Illinois a little bit higher, having Isaiah Williams coming back. I like the new kid, uh, freshman, Elsley that they got in there. And they've got a couple of different guys that get it done. They might not be flashy. They might not be stars in the conference, but they get it done. So looking at these offensive rankings, I was a little bit off. Now, I would have offensive line-wise, I'd have Minnesota over Nebraska and Michigan State. We've got more coming back for the most part, that more experience, but also guys who got honorable mentions or better in the rankings for the Big Ten awards last year, the teams and whatnot. But I don't want to gripe on all that because you know what? His list is reasonable when it, it's looking at the offensive side. There are a couple of things here or there that I wouldn't necessarily condone, but you know what? Like I said, different strokes for different folks. But we get to the defensive side of things. Man, like one or two slot difference for a couple teams isn't worth getting worked up about because it is relative, like I said. But like I said, when we flip to the defense, now I have an issue. So let me throw that back up on the screen for you real quick. We flip to the defensive side of things, and we are talking about the defensive line first. So in that defensive line here, I'm going to even throw myself on the screen for y'all. 
Defensive line, we've got Penn State rated as the top school, Ohio State as the next one, Iowa, Michigan, Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan State, and then Rutgers. Again, Minnesota does not make the list. And you know what? That isn't my gripe with the defensive line position. In fact, I think that Minnesota can get into this type of list, and they should be on the list eventually, but I'm not going to make a claim for that because I think Coach Winston Dilatibadir is going to get this group right. But there is the real shame in all of this is Illinois, who may have one of the best front sevens in the entire nation, is being ranked at 13th in the nation for defensive line and fifth in the Big Ten. Now, you're telling me Jerzon Newton, literally the best returning defensive lineman interior player in the entire country that had the most pressures last year, had some of the most sacks, I believe, last year. He's coming back. That alone should put this defensive line into the top two in the conference. But then you say you got Keith Randolph added to that, another top guy who is giving a deadly duo for the defensive line for Illinois. You have those two together. They should not only be a top two defensive line in the Big Ten, but they should be a top five defensive line in the nation. No exceptions, no ifs, no ands, no buts. That Illinois ranking is absolutely disrespectful. Then, actually, before I get to that, the funny thing is I think Michigan is probably the only other school maybe in that top two-ish area that can give Illinois a run for their money in this year's uh, this year's defenses. And Michigan is fourth in the conference in his opinion. So arguably, you have two of the best defensive lines in the entire conference as the fifth and fourth in the conference. That's just wrong. No matter how you try to cross your fingers and hope for the upside of an Ohio State that hasn't really had too many rock stars on that defensive line that put the fear into other players like Illinois has, like Michigan has with their returning guys. Penn State's got some young studs. I'm not even going to hate on Penn State, but the fact that you have Michigan and Illinois so low on defensive line is absolutely absurd. Now we're going to move over to the linebacker side of things. Now, nearly the entire conference is in front of Minnesota when it comes to his linebacker rankings. He has 12 of the 14 Big Ten schools ranked in the nation in that top 65 for linebackers, and Minnesota does not fall on that list. Minnesota, who constantly turns out linebackers into the NFL and things like that, but also production in the Big Ten, that's just downright disrespectful. Mariano Sorimarin has been in the all-conference or gotten some uh, some shine on these teams for all-Big Ten type of player as a linebacker last year. Before that, you're looking at guys like Blake Cashman. You're looking at guys like Jack Gibbons. You're looking at guys like Carter Coughlin, and you're telling me that Minnesota is going to be 13th or 14th in the conference when it comes to linebackers, that is just wrong. Cody Lindenberg might be the most talented linebacker that Coach Fleck has ever had. And you know what? I dove into Phil Steele's rankings. He's got Cody Lindenberg as the number 34 linebacker in the country. So if you've got them up that high, how do you not have them in here at all? I get that there's not a ton of experience in the room. I get that you don't know a lot about the younger guys, but to just absolutely put them down in the dumps because of that is a little bit wild for me. Now, you're talking about Cody Lindenberg, who was second on the team in tackles and only had six starts. His upside is insane. Then you talk about 
you have experience because you have Ryan Salig coming in as a transfer. On top of that, you've got the captain who was injured last year, but he pairs his experience with Lindenberg to show some more experience in that linebacker room. That's what you're going on. And then on top of that, you've got three young guys that bring a lot of promise in Devin Williams and his speed and his ability to get in as a blitzer, have some strengths in the pass coverage. But then on top of that, Maverick Baranowski is a dude. Joey Gerlach is a dude. And both of them are going to have tons of opportunities, young players who will continue to see time and help this room continue to produce for years to come. So the linebacker thing was a little bit disrespective. Now, I'm not saying Minnesota needs to be first or I'm not even saying that they have to be top eight. Now, the top eight, I haven't said it for those just listening on the audio side, Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan State, Maryland, Northwestern, and Iowa. Now, Iowa is eighth, and Illinois is ninth. And again, I just think that's kind of wild because those two bring experience, and they're constantly churning out top Big Ten producers at the position a lot, especially Iowa when it comes to historically. Now, like I said, Illinois, Iowa, too far down once again. Wisconsin has two nice starting inside linebackers and some depth behind them, but outside linebacker is a lot bigger of a question after Herbig is gone. And posting them third in the entire Big Ten and sixth in the entire nation, it feels like a stretch. It feels like a little bit of helmet scouting if you're getting to me. And you know what? That's what seems to shine through a little bit on this defensive ranking side of things is helmet scouting comes more prevalent as players become more unknown. Now, lastly, we talk about the defensive backs, and this is the one where I just, I'm only talking about Minnesota here because I am outright distraught. Now, defensive backs, he's got Penn State rated one, uh, Iowa rated two, Michigan three, Ohio State four, Maryland five, Wisconsin six, Nebraska seven, Minnesota eight, and then Rutgers nine, Illinois 10, and Northwestern 11. I'm not even going to talk about any of the other schools. I think that's a little bit flubbed up on some of the different areas there, but Minnesota as eight, that's the only thing I want to focus on here. Now I'm not going to stand for this. Yes. One cornerback starting spot is a questionable, questionable spot for the Gophers. People don't know what's going to happen with that cornerback position, but you're talking corners and safeties as defensive backs and Tyler Newbin whom Phil Steele has listed as a preseason All-American and the number one free safety at his position in the country. And you're putting him at eighth? That means you think maybe there's no cornerbacks that are good for the Gophers, but that's just downright disrespectful and wrong because you've got Jack Henderson who transferred in. You've got Justin Wally who gives you a ton of experience and has made some memorable moments as a Gopher who's been playing since his true freshman season. Now, on top of that, at the safety position, Darius Green and Coleman Bryson, both young players who have shown very strong in their snaps that they've gotten as underclassmen. And then you've got Aiden Gowsby, who's been a sleeper in the safety room. And you know what? All of that together gives the Gophers a top three, top four safety room in the conference on top of having Justin Wally and Jack Henderson, who are both two top 10 graded cornerbacks returning to the Big Ten, two of the top 10 returners. That's right. Number four is Henderson, and number six is Wally. In fact, Michigan, Iowa State, Penn State, and the Gophers have eight of those top 10 cornerbacks. Four schools of 14 have eight of the top 10 returning cornerbacks graded by PFF. And you know what? Penn State, Iowa, and Michigan, those three, the other three of the four that have two in that list are rated one, two, and three in the conference. But Minnesota is eight. 
That doesn't make sense. This is where you get into the helmet scouting because you've got your Ohio State, you've got your Wisconsin, and you've got your fan popular Nebraska all above Minnesota with less certainties in that room. So you know what? I just can't stand for it. You pair the safeties with the the uh, cornerbacks and those guys who are coming back that have higher grades from PFF as well as good experience. It just doesn't make sense to me. Minnesota has been a top 10, top 15 defense in the country for back-to-back years, and they've been a top three to four defense in the conference for back-to-back years, yet not ranked in two out of the three defensive position groups, and the third being vastly disrespected. It's just wrong. Phil Steele, you're a baller at the work you do, especially on the offensive side of things, but this defense... It just looks like a whole lot of helmet scouting to me, my man. So I had to get into it, and I had to speak my truth. Now, we're going to wrap this one up with Ethan Kalikmanis, the Greek gunslinger, and why you should not doubt him for the upcoming season. That is what's coming up to close this show out. All right, Gover Sins, I'm going to keep it quick. I'm going to keep it flowing, but the Greek gunslinger, now is not the time to doubt him. I am excited for Ethan in this 2023 season. Now, Phil Steele has Calic Manis rated as the ninth best quarterback in the conference. Athlon Sports has him rated as the 10th. USA Today has him as the 11th. Uh, in March, 247 Sports had Ethan listed as the 10th quarterback in the conference. Sporting News has him as the 9th. Saturday Tradition has him at the 10th, and College Football Network has Ethan as the 12th quarterback in the Big Ten. Moral of the story here is that, at large, the world is definitely sleeping on the Gophers quarterback one. Now, the funniest thing about all of this And what I've noticed, even from the fans on Twitter and different social platforms, is that the casual fans of other teams or just, you know, casual people covering, wanting to talk Big Ten sports, they look at the box score and they see less than 1,000 yards last year and they see three touchdowns to four interceptions. That's what they see and they say, this kid isn't good, that they're going to be in a lot of trouble. Tanner Morgan's been their quarterback forever, this kid, whatever. But you catch the diehard fans of the Big Ten, the ones that watch everything and anything Big Ten. These folks are like, man, I really like the Greek gunslinger. I like this Gophers quarterback. He's got a lot of upside. He's a fun player. He can run. He's got a lot of things going for him. And why that is is because the box score doesn't tell you everything. It doesn't tell you that two of his four interceptions were garbage time plays against Illinois in a game that he was asked to go and make a miracle happen and just huck it up there and let's get some touchdowns because we're behind late and we should like two hucked up there, right? It doesn't tell you that the wide receiver, Dalen Wright, gave up on his route halfway through it and just got yelled at by the coach, waved his coach off and was later disciplined. It doesn't tell you that that happened on one of the interceptions. It doesn't tell you that... Even the other interceptions that he made in the Penn State game and the Iowa game, the only two other times that he threw an interception in his meaningful minutes in the ones where the games mattered, one of those was against Penn State where they were getting blown out and they had to find a time to get back in his first ever start in a whiteout game. And he only walked away with one turnover. In the most attempts that he had besides the Wisconsin game on the entire season, walked away with one turnover in a whiteout game in his first ever start being thrown in, in his first ever week of prepping as the starter. 
I'll take one interception there. And then you talk about the last interception in the Iowa game, which was mainly due to coaching. I'm going to be straight up and clear with you there because coaching put him in a nearly no-win situation that was only a fraction of a bit off from being a big play and another win, 10-win season, and the first win against Iowa. Because in that game, Ethan started out 7 for 8. He ended up finishing the game 7 for 15. But that doesn't tell the full story because in that 7 for 8, then after that, the Gophers only passed two more times in the next like 20 minutes. They were both incomplete. But then later on in the game, I believe he had one more pass attempt before the interception. But in that interception, it was third and seven in a do or die. The Gophers had to get the first down. Otherwise, they're kicking a field goal to go up by three and giving Iowa the ball back with a minute and 50-some seconds left or two minutes left, something like that. And Ethan, you see him get through his progressions. He can't go to Brevin, who's the first target in the read. He can't go to Michael Brown-Stevens, who is the next player in that progression. He looks to Lamecki Brockington in the third. He has one guy on his backside. He knows he can squeeze it into the window. He takes the shot, throws the ball, slant route to Lamecki Brockington. It hits him in the hands while a defender is coming from behind and tries to punch it out. It bounces off his hands into the linebacker who's coming over to help give assistance, who then catches the ball for an interception. After not throwing the ball or throwing the ball two times in nearly 20 minutes of play, 20 minutes of play, gameplay, not 20 minutes of time. This is in the cold, in the freezing, and your hands are going numb. The fans are cold out there, and you don't let this kid throw the ball after starting seven and eight, and you don't let him throw a pass attempt or only two pass attempts in 20-plus minutes of gameplay. What do you expect in a third and seven, a passing situation where you have to throw the ball, and he still almost made the play? If not for bouncing off his receiver's hands and being deflected into the defender. See, that doesn't tell you the whole story. It doesn't tell you everything. In fact, it's not really allowing the new young quarterback. It doesn't tell you that they didn't let him throw the ball and they didn't let him fire it around out there. In fact, they were trying to make the transition easier, less mistakes, less issues for a young quarterback to make. Only two games on the entire season was Ethan allowed to throw the ball more than 20 times. One was a blowout loss to Penn State where they still only gave him 22 pass attempts. And the other was where they game planned for Ethan to throw the ball and be the guy and use his skill sets. And he went out there and he threw for over 300 yards and got the ax back in Minnesota once again. Quick reads, full progressions, great placement, good decision making. We saw it all in the Wisconsin game and in the beginning of the bowl game before the injury. Now, the truth is I fully expect Ethan to outperform the low expectations by the others of the 10th through 12th best quarterback in the Big Ten. In fact, I think he'll be better than the ninth best quarterback in the Big Ten. If you caught my top 10 Tuesday show on Big Ten quarterbacks, I, I'm on the higher side for him. I put him at six, quarterback six. I have him in the same tier as a Cade McNamara, as a Jeff Sims. I only have J.J. McCarthy. Uh, Talia Tungavailoa, Drew Aller, Tanner Mordecai, and whoever plays Ohio State quarterback ahead of him right now. And that isn't because I don't think Ethan can hack it with those guys. It's allowing me this year and him to have growth and experience and get more of the situational football under his belt. 
Because if Cali Manis takes the experience and the leap, I believe he can. That man is going to be a problem for the Big Ten Conference. The ceiling is high, and I am excited for what we will see from him this year. That's going to do it for us here at Lockdown Golden Gophers. I appreciate you for listening. Be sure to hit subscribe. Leave a thumbs up if you like the video. Drop some comments down below on your thoughts. I will see you later this week where we're going to talk some more Gophers football. Row the boat, Scotty Mock. Go Gophers as always, and don't forget to subscribe. Yeah.